Welcome back to the New York Pages podcast in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jacob Berkowitz, and I'm alongside my co-host, Rangi. Today, we're going to be talking with Johnny Lazarus from the Blue Crew Pod. He's going to be discussing lineups, fantasy hockey, um, Bluff, Kako, the kids, etc., preseason recap. But first, a quick word from our show sponsor, and then we'll get right to it. And now a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for the 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for a 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. And we're back. Johnny Lazarus, how's it going? I'm good, fellas. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, of course. Thanks for, you know, doing this all last second. I know this was a bit, yeah, a uh, very last second. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, so I figured we'd start with the Rangers preseason here. Obviously, there are a lot of pros and cons here. So what, what do you take out of the Rangers preseason? Because I know everyone takes it with a grain of salt, but... Are there any, you know, what what did you take out of it? I'll never look too deep into preseason. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it really is just a tune-up for these guys. Like, you know, no one's really going balls to the walls in preseason hockey unless you're, you know, a third, fourth-line guy that's just trying to make the team. Um, so I know we're probably going to go over it. There's a lot of concern right now about some chemistry with that second line. I know Kravtsov, people are upset with as well that he hasn't looked great in preseason, but it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't count. Um, Kravtsov is a guy, though. You know, that should be one of those guys who's going balls to the walls, who should be impressing. He hasn't. But then, you know, there are some bright spots like Capo Caco. He's looked great. Keandre's looked great. Um, so I, I think, you know, I, I don't read too much into preseason. And, um, you know, once the season gets started, the first five, 10 games, we'll really know what we got here. Right. I mean, yeah, no, for me, I get like Kravtsov has been underwhelming. I think that's kind of like, it's it's worse than like all the other issues here because um we our right wing depth depth is kind of shaky because mm-hmm. Laf isn't comfortable with you know his opposite wing and even though Kapko Kapo has been one of the you know the better parts of this preseason that's only one right wing and you know VC isn't exactly <laughs> the greatest you know solution in the top six what what do you think would be the solution if Kravtsov wouldn't be part of that. If right Kravtsov way. is not part of the top six, yeah, I mean, let, let, let's say the preseason wasn't, you know, was actually showing, you know, that he's not up to the task. Well, I don't believe that personally. I believe, you know, it's just taking time. But let's say the worst example comes to play that Kravtsov just, you know, isn't ready. And what, what is your? Do you think VC play? What do you think there? So when it comes to the first line, I think that first line right wing spot. As much as I want it to be laugh. Um, just because I'm, you know, I'm a huge laugh supporter. I think it is almost the least important spot out of all the right wing spots, if that makes sense, because Mika and Kreider are going to drive that bus. You know, like you can throw anyone in that position and they're going to benefit just from playing with those two. And and all they need is someone that can get them the puck. Like they don't need someone to be the fastest. They don't need someone, you know, to be the playmaker because Mika is the playmaker on that line. Kreider is the shooter, the sniper on that line. They need someone that could win the battle in the corner and get them the puck back and just, you know, keep possession in the offensive zone. So when it comes to that right wing spot, that's why I think VZ could be a good fit there. Um, then again, like 
we said, and, and everyone does talk about it, that Lafreniere is not that comfortable in the right wing's position, but I would love to see him there still. And I know a lot of people do want the kid line together as good as they are, which they could end up even being the first line with the way they've looked just throughout their time together. Um, you know, I think it would be great just to spread them out a little bit, just, you know, not, not for the entire season, but for a couple of games, just to get them a little comfortable, maybe, you know, see what works, what doesn't work, what clicks, what doesn't click, because we know the kid line is clicking. Now, when it comes to the second line, right wing spot, for me, I'd love to see Krauss out there. I'd love for him and Panarin to find, you know, a way to get that chemistry. It looks like Panarin is taking the time after practice, you know, to work with him and to get to know him as not only a player, but a person. There were some stories that came out that Kraft spent a lot of time alone. And and listen, when you're a young kid living in New York City, you know, not knowing much about the city, not knowing much about the language, it can be really hard outside the rink to, you know, have just confidence as an overall person, let alone a hockey player. So I think that's important also that people don't really look into is that Kraft needs to just find himself as a person, not only as a hockey player, but if he feels comfortable in New York off the ice, that'll only translate to his game on the ice. So I think that's a big thing for him this year as well. And Sammy Blay is a guy that can fit in with Panarin and fit in with um, Trocek in that second line spot. I mean, we saw, you know, a numerous amount, amount of guys fit in in that spot last year when Panarin was with Strom. So, you know, we saw Dryden Hunt. We saw Andrew Kopp. There was a lot of different guys that you could throw in there. I think Bratzinski even got a game in there or not. Kako played a couple games in that spot. So the first two lines, those right wing positions are very important, obviously. But when you have the players of the caliber of Trocek, Panarin, Kreider, and Zibanejad, Almost anyone could play there and be successful. So I don't think I'm looking into that too much, but you know, I, I Kako, I was pretty low on him going into the season, but he has looked great. And you know, if they want to give him that chance, give him that chance. Like, I mean, there's no, there's no, uh, can't think of the word. I guess there's no harm in giving Kako some more confidence, right? Giving him some more ice time if he, if he's going to, you know, be successful with it. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how, the right wing position plays out. I think the VZ thing is just like, you know, good humor from a couple of years ago. And it's funny to see him in that spot now, but I think he'll be successful and he had a great preseason. He was very impressive. So um, it's going to be weird. It's going to be interesting. Highly agree on everything you said there. Very well said, but that whole, I, I very much like the whole right wing idea of that people are just going to fit in, especially with guys like Panarin. And by the way, I just in general feel like that's going to be Panarin's job sort of this season, I think, in general, because last year he, he wasn't healthy part of it. But I think we saw some down part in him, although he led in points of just the in general chemistry on the ice. I, I think we wanted to see better out of that. And I think that that right wing in general position would would is not going to make a huge difference because of the amount of talent that's on that line. The question is, though, is like you look at the third line which is technically in almost a sense in this preseason, our first line, mm -hmm. the way it's been playing. Um, is that something we're keeping together? I know they look so good together, but those players seem to be players that which on other lines can make us have like a better depth and could create a even better top three lines of solid, you know, of solid play on all the lines. You know, right now we're trying to fit in some players who are not in general top two line players like Blay and, and, you know, you're a craft of whoever you're trying to fit in their VC. Mm -hmm. So if that's true, they're trying to fit in a guy like that. Is, is it maybe worth it to break up a kid line to create a better line? Or is that not something that is a great idea? So I'd actually argue that the kid line brings the team more depth, if anything, um, okay. just because they, they are. I mean, if you, if you think about it, can you name like three better third lines in the NHL right now? Mm, Probably yeah. not. Right. So I think I think they make the top nine a little stronger. I think Pittsburgh is another team that has a really strong, you know, front nine. 
Um, but then again, too, like I've been saying this the past couple of weeks, I think if you keep the kid line together, it almost takes the pressure off of them because they're in it together. But when you separate those guys and throw them on, you know, a different line, like if you throw Lafreniere in that first line, like think about how much pressure he's going to have because he's going to have to perform when you throw Kako with Panarin and Trocek, like he's going to have the same thing. So I think if you keep them together, they're just like kind of having fun. They know they play well together. And it is this like great narrative that's come to be in the last year of this kid line. Like, you know, I think Sean McDonough had the line of the playoffs last year. The kids have grown up before our eyes, like after that shift, you know, the crazy yeah. shift against Tampa. So I, I think like, I think throughout the year, we're going to see them together. And then like, I, I would say 60% of the year we might see them together, but there's going to be some long stretches where they're not together. Cause you got to take injuries into factor as well. Like, you know, some guys are going to get hurt and they're going to have to shuffle things around. That's just a part of the game. But going into the playoffs, like, I don't see why they wouldn't keep them together. They were so successful last year in the playoffs. It, it could just be a thing where, you know, they try to balance it out throughout the year and then come playoff time and in those big games must win situations, they put them back together. I mean, we know it works, so why not? Right. I think, I think like what Chicago was trying to say, yeah, is like it. If the second, if first and second line aren't are doing good but not great, like you know, the question becomes: Is it worth it to break them up to fix the mm-hmm. two line? Two, two good lines are better than one great line. Essentially, For sure. like the, For sure. the philosophy there. Um, obviously, that's a little tricky because you know it, they're. I mean, they're not just good; they're they're fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about a highlight real goal last night, um, and you know, Lafie Hito, they they've been terrific this preseason. Um, I mean, if let's say you have to break them up, I, I don't know. I felt personally that Kaka would be a perfect fit on the second line because whenever Panarin has played with a right winger, it's always been those guys that could go to the dirty areas and et cetera like that. And Kaka seems to fit the bill on that part. Do you see that? Or where would you put Kaka if it wouldn't be on the kiddo line? Would it be the first line or the second line? I actually like keeping Kako and Hedl together. I think they have some pretty good chemistry. I think Kako can be that guy who's like, you know, the big, strong player below the goal line in the offensive zone, can win battles in the corners. I mean, Kako is a big, strong dude. He just hasn't really been able to put it together in the previous couple seasons. But we did see some spurts of it, I thought, in the playoffs last year where he dominated in puck possessions. Like, I think there was one shift he had. It might have been on the PK, I think. It might have been game five against Yeah. He like had like four or five cutbacks. And like, I, I posted that clip and people were like, this isn't impressive. He like, whatever. And I was like, no, he killed off a solid 30 seconds in a, you know, one goal lead in the third period. Like that's what you want him to do. So, you know, I think keeping him and Hedl together, like that's, that's kind of what I've been saying. When you, when you look at the lines right now, there's to an extent, there's like three different pairs, like Mika and Kreider are together. That's a lock. Trotrick and Panarin are together. That's a lock. And then it's like the Hedl Kako or Hedl Lafreniere. You know, I feel like that could be somewhat of a pair as well. Um, if I'm keeping Kako anywhere to give other guys opportunity, it's on the third line. But if he's playing the best, you got to reward a guy who's, you know, playing better than everyone else. So he can fit anywhere. He's he's a really skilled player. He's a strong player. He can, you know, get to those areas. But I know, you know, sometimes he's been a little timid to get to the net front, a little timid to, you know, not, not necessarily put his body on the line, but to get to those dirty areas. Like we haven't seen, I don't think, one Capo Kako deflection goal really, have we? Like, no. Um, so that's still something that he can add to his repertoire. But I, I mean, I think he's kind of interchangeable. So, um, you know, I, I, I was like I said, I, I wasn't very high on him coming to the season, but 
Um, you know, who knows? Who knows what kind of offseason he had? I didn't see him train, so I have no idea what kind of offseason right. he had. I mean, well, we did see the what was it, a slap shot? Yeah, the hundred. And like, it's funny because if you look at the EA Sports NHL 23, you'll get Capocaco slap shot. It's like 93 overall. Oh, it actually went up from that. There's no way, like, they didn't just do that based on the video. And like, we're talking about, we're talking about a game that legitimately has sucked for years and has, has, yeah, it's one of the most garbage games of all the EA games. Well, no, well, because it's because ever since 2K, left the NHL business, EA Sports really doesn't have a competitor. So there's no need for that. That's been a build. long time though already, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's and that's how long it's been. I mean it, yeah, I mean they've had no, you know, incentive to make the game better. Why make the game better? You're gonna buy well, it. Well because anyway, we, right? when you want it when you want to make a sport because doesn't matter. More, there's no compete there's no com- there's no compete uh, compete out there. There's no one competing with you. We got to start something. That's the it. only thing is a business only ever tries to get better when there's a, someone else to compete against. But if there's no one else to compete against, why are you spending money to improve even more when you don't have to? Yeah. <laughs> so um, get, I know we're sidetracking here, but um, going back to, you know, Kravtsov and all that, were you are you concerned about him? Or again, it's just preseason and kids take time. Um, and where do you think in the lineup is best for him? I think I still think the lineup situation, I think he should be in the second line with Trochek and Panarin. I'm, I'm not too concerned with him. Um, you know, he, he did from, from the games that I saw, listen, I didn't watch every preseason game. So like, you know, I'm not judging this based off every shift he had, but from what I saw from him, he has the capability to make plays. He has a ton of skill and Panarin hasn't really played with a guy who has close to the amount of same skill that he has. So I think the more they play together, the more comfortable they'll get. And I give Kravtsov, I would give him that first like 10 game window of the season. See what he can do on that second line with Panarin and Trocek. After 10 games, you kind of evaluate, see what he's done well, see what he's done wrong and, you know, find out where he fits better. And I think we've seen it in the past where, you know, he's a guy who might be a little more sensitive than, than some of the others. So, um, you know, coaches have to coach, different players, different ways. And he might be one of those guys that you just got to take your time with. Right. And you can't be too hard on him because that's not how he responds. So I'm saying, give him that first 10 game window, see what he can do. Let Panarin continue to work with him. And I think, I think there's no better fit for him in the lineup than the second line with Panarin and Trocek. I actually, I actually like it. Cause um, I, I think like the, also the fact that Panarin's, I think, I think they have the same idea of a background, right? The language too, you know. Right, the same language. I think and Trocek as well, right? No, Trocek's American. He's from Pittsburgh. Okay, so so I'm saying, but you have the Panarin. I think that's a big thing, you know. If you have the same language and background, I I generally think that Kravtsov's a guy that preseason won't look great. I mean, I know before like a a hockey game, sometimes like I'll notice that I'm a little bit low, slow on a step, but during the game, I'll notice that I got that step back. You know what I mean? I'll I'll notice that in most sports, sometimes in like a preseason, you're trying new things out. You're you're being tested and moved around. I think maybe Kravtsov's not used to that, being in the fact that he's always just been in games. I mean, and where he's been playing, he's not exactly been having the seriousness of NHL hockey, of preseason and all that. Is so KHL, I, I apologize for interrupting. I just want to mention, is KHL bigger ice or the same exact? It's bigger. It's bigger? It's bigger. Okay. But, yeah, but they, they in general don't run the same way as the NHL. It's a different thing. He's running with different players. So that's going to be a long thing. It, I, I'm just nervous about, you know, the Panarin Trocek connection. I know that we say that whoever the third guy is, is great, but we have two guys on this line and Trocek's a new guy. And I know Panarin's been getting new guys every day in his line. Yeah. Uh, 
how do you, how good do you think first of all that that potentially could be and second of all is that something that could potentially be the biggest worry of this team Trochek and Panarin the connection with them you're saying yeah yeah so I think the biggest worry and, and I don't know if this is just like a, a deflection of your question but the biggest worry of this team is the same thing it was at this point last year in my mind like what was the what was the biggest problem going into the deadline last year it this team couldn't score five on five this oh, team yeah, couldn't score five that, on yeah. five goals and the lineup right now is basically the same that it was to start the year last year, right? Because we don't have Matrano, we don't have Cop, we don't have Mott, the guys we picked up at the deadline to help that five and five scoring. So I think right now the biggest concern this year will be how good the Rangers are five and five. I think the the least concerned area is the power play unit because the first power play is still going to look the same. Just you know, you throw in Trocheck where Strom was, and you know the the hardest thing I think for the Rangers right now is to figure out where their five and five scoring is going to come because if the second line isn't clicking with Trotrek Panarin and whoever is on that right wing, like someone's going to have to step up and score goals because the power, they can't rely on the power play every night to help win them games. Right. I mean, well, I know you play a lot of ice hockey yourself and I know like some, when people say I play, I know it's not compared to, you know, the national hockey league, but just based on your experience, uh-huh. like I- I'm an ice hockey goalie. So yeah, you're the goalie, right? It's not, yeah. it's not relevant. I love that clip that you sent. That was funny. Yeah. It's not, it's not relevant to me because basically um, I just do my thing and the team just, you know, does their thing. We barely talk, but um, for you chemistry wise, cause I know, Panarin and Trocek, there's like a bit of worry. I know it's just preseason, but there's a bit of worry. You know, Trocek's a different style than Strom. He shoots more rather than passes, uh, which I think in the long run would be better with Panarin. Uh, mm-hmm. But for you guys, how long does like chemistry? It's different, right? Like just to build chemistry with your line line uh, line mates. Like what what does that entail? Like how does that you know come to be where you know the chemistry fits, or what's the reasons why it doesn't? Hmm, that's actually okay. I'm trying to just like think back to my playing days, but a, a lot of it, you know, sometimes is just right off the bat. And then other times, you know, you just need those game reps. Like chemistry can be built in practice, but then again, you're going up against your own team. So it's really hard to to kind of, you know, translate that to a different team, different system that you're playing against. So I think I really just think the more games they play together, the more they figure it out. And and listen, if they don't, they don't. And that's not a worry. Like Trocheck will fit. I, like honestly, like you could throw Hedo up on the second line with Panarin and throw Trocheck on the third line, and like, what's the difference, right? Like they're both good players. Like it, it's not it's not gonna make or break anything. I think if you just make that switch, you know, that's the good news, is right? Like the Rangers needed more center depth, and they got it, so they could easily rotate those guys. Even even like Mika, you could rotate sometimes. I mean, I don't want to see Mika separate from Kreider because they're arguably the best, not the best, but you know, they're they're a top five duo, I'd say, in, in the league or become one almost. Um, so I wouldn't like rotate Mika much, but I, I, I do think the chemistry thing, it really just depends. Like the Stroman Panarin thing, like a lot of people say it was really good chemistry and, and whatnot, but was it really a lot of Ryan Strom or was it Panarin making Strom look good most of the time? Like how yeah. many times did we see Strom set up Panarin backdoor? Like not much, you know, it was kind of like a one way making someone look good. Whereas Trocheck could be that guy to get Panarin the puck more, whereas you know, in the other in the other case, Panarin was getting strung the puck. So, um, it, it's just it really is just all about the reps. Um, and and that comes in games because practice is literally against your own team, and they know what you're going to do, and they know exactly the kind of player you are. So, I I really do think just the more games they play together, the the better that chemistry will build. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like, you know, with Strom, he was more the product of Panarin. I know there was mm -hmm. a case, I believe it was the season after COVID, where Panarin was out for a little bit because of the scare with Russia, and yep. Strom was playing really well. It just, I don't know if this makes sense, what I'm saying, but like, to explain why Strom doesn't like initiate plays. He he kind of feeds off other players, right, if that makes sense. And that's why I feel like in the short term, that's why it was so like quick for him to connect with Panarin, because what Panarin does is help those players that, you know, feed off of other players mm -hmm. and et cetera. But I feel like in the long term with Trocek, that's why it's taking, you know, a bit of time because Trocek is also, you know, his own player. He brings his own assets to the table, such as, you know, a better shot and a joke aside could hit an up to an empty <laughs> net um, and all that. So I feel like that's why it's taking such a long time because Panarin hasn't really played with a player that is essentially, if this makes sense, his own player. He doesn't, you know, need other players, you know, make, you know, himself, you know, a full player. Um, but with, let's say, Hedo, like we, we mentioned Hedo, what happens to Trocek, you know, I think people are concerned because, well, we pay Trocek, you know, five, $5 million, almost $6 million. Why is he on the third line? I think people have to understand, though, like you put your best players on there in the ice. It doesn't matter the cap hit. Yes, Trocek signing for seven years wasn't exactly the greatest thing in the world. But yeah, I think people have to understand that, you know, you put your best players on the ice, but let, let's say Hito would be on the second line instead of Troja. Who who would you like to be with him? I, I, Hito to me is tough because <clears throat> I, I don't know if Hito's more of a scorer than a playmaker. I wouldn't like, I wouldn't say he's like necessarily like either of those things. Right. He's like, you his know, own category. Like he's a really good skater. I think he's like very fast. He's you know a solid. I don't know. This is like a hockey cliche, but he's a solid two hundred foot player. That's what he is. And I like I I feel like he could kind of play with anyone because he's not like he's not such a. I don't want to like say like this is a bad thing because it's not. But he's not like such a special talent, you know. Yeah, he has his like sparks, but he's like yeah. he's just he's he's capable of of making highlight real plays, but it's not at a consistent level, right. like. I, I really do think he can just play with anyone, I would have which to is a compliment to him. I'm saying I would compare him to a, a, a guy that, like, you know, in basketball, we have, like, the Chris well, Paul. Well, he was the best, one of the best 5v5 You're comparing him to Chris Paul? No, no, no. I'm going to explain to you what I mean. I, he, <laughs> I mean, you have a guy like Chris Paul who, on certain nights, could drop you, like, crazy points, right? Uh -huh. And many times, the most important value of him is the fact that he gets the ball around and has, like, an especially great idea of what's going on on the court and knows where to pass and has a special talent of like getting it around to his teammates. Right. I mean, he don't may not be necessarily to that degree of Chris Paul to the <laughs> NBA, but I made a Chris Paul, I mean, Adam Fox comparison last year. But, <laughs> I mean, I mean, in general, the idea of having somebody that may not necessarily drop the points on the other team and could have a game with just like 10 points, but his assist and the value of getting the ball, the, the, I'll say the puck on the around the ice, especially with a line like Lafreniere and Kako. Let's say those guys want to move. They're not. They're mm -hmm. not interested in waiting around. Guy like Hedl gets the gets the chemistry and the you know the puck moving, and that's important on the ice. If you leave it in one spot too long, they're collapsing. You get into trouble that way. We saw that last year a lot of times. You sent the puck in, you couldn't beat them to the puck, and then they just got the puck back. Especially with the way you play with dump and chase. You know what I mean? I compare Hedl to a guy who's going to actually get that puck moving around that ice. Get you know they're gonna beat you beat the other team to the puck, where you have a guy like Panarin or Trocek, whatever, where 
they might actually slow down the game in a sense and try to find that perfect play and try to make that crazy. What is it you know, called? The, the when Panarin crosses it around, there's like a fancy name. I think Steve Alquette said the Royal the Royal Road. Royal Royal Road. There we yeah. go. Right. I'm just saying, like, I don't want to. I know people are going to bash me for comparing it to Chris Paul, but if the idea of getting the ball around the court is so important, the idea of getting the puck around the ice is so important. That's why Heedle, I think, is so successful with that line. That moving Heedle up would actually just not mesh with that line of the fact that he wants to move and a guy like Panarin and Trocek, they may not necessarily want to run down that ice and and you know go fast. You know, I definitely I definitely wouldn't tweet that Hedl is like Chris Paul. <laughs> I don't know anything about basketball, but I know. love Chris and I love Chris Paul. I would actually no but to your point, I would say I'm trying to I was trying to think of like a former Ranger that Hedl could be compared to that just like can play in every situation and the only guy I'm really thinking of is Derek Stepan. Like he, like Stepan wasn't the most skilled, wasn't the fastest, but he just got shit done, which is like kind of what you're saying, right? Like just does all the right, right things, makes right. all the right plays, and he don't be like that. Chris Paul is a little bit too high for that. Level. Yeah, Chris Paul is like but, one of the best point guards of all time. <laughs> right. I mean, the idea of the I was trying to bring in the idea of just moving the ball around, moving yeah, it around. It. He's the, one of the best. He's one of the best at doing that. I mean, in hockey, I would say a McDavid, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Philip Hedo yeah. was one of the best, I believe, five on five producer producers for the Rangers mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's take a break from players for a sec. The coaching, go on. Um, oh, yeah. I think people like when people had a you know conflict. Should the kid line be together? I think when people were saying they shouldn't. I mean, at least for me, it's because I agree the kid line should be together. But the problem is, I have a feeling the line won't give them the time on ice they deserve. Like, I mean, you look at, I, I think there was an example uh, versus Carolina in game five. Uh, Keto had one of the lowest, you know, time on ices for anyone. He's the one that had two goals, you know, I mean, that uh, is that concerning for you go on, not trusting the kids or you think, you know, go on, will start trusting them more. I think him in his first season, Last year, I think that has a big reason as to why he didn't play them a lot. I think now that he's been here for a full year, he understands how those three how those three play, and understands how his team works. I think he might, you know, be more inclined to play them a little bit more. Like, you know, now that he knows his way around a little bit, knows the guys personally. So I I, I don't think like it's it's fair to judge anything last season because everything was so new and, um, you know, it was kind of an advanced year for the team. So I think this year, like knowing what the roster is, knowing what Gallant has to work with, I would expect him to play the kid line a little bit more if they are playing together, obviously. Um, you know, I, I think last year you just couldn't really rely on them. I, I know they had some really good moments and played really well, but when you think about it at the end of the day, like none of them were older than the age of 23. Like how could you how could you really give them the opportunity, right? Even though they may have deserved it or, or may have not. So I think this year, knowing that they had that experience and knowing what they've been through, Gallant might be more inclined to give them that more ice time. Right. Uh, you know, uh, it was said, very new to them, you know? Right. I think in general, Gallant's a guy where he, he has gaining his trust in a sense is not always as important as gaining that friendship where he like has that mm-hmm. certain, it may not be a complete. He trust. always has those guys. Like, in- right. Yeah, I mean, the video of him doing smelling salts with Lafreniere was hilarious. That was awesome. I, yeah, think, that was great. I think the way Gallant likes to work it actually is, you know, there's two ways as a coach that you could be. There's the coach that is all for his players. And then there's the coach that is, you know, rough and tough. He's he's going to just call you out and everything, whether it's off, off, you know, off the ice, on the ice, whatever it is. And I feel like Gallant likes to play where if you're a guy who 
is up for his friendship and the way he wants to deal with you, he, he's going to work with everything you got. But if you're a guy who, in general, he maybe you have dirt against him, hashtag Hayek, or some, <laughs> some type of, 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 of something, some doesn't have that same connection, he sort of doesn't like work with you. I mean, Kako and, and Hito are guys like that. They're doing their thing. They're really just happy. You know, they're, they're, they have their chemistry on the line. If Hito and, and, and Kako did not have the, the kid line, I think they really would, in a sense, on other teams, not really be as great as this chemistry that they have. This chemistry built them up. A guy like, you know, I think about other guys that are young guys that we would like to see in this lineup. Uh, a guy like Zach Jones, to me, flashes out as someone that I think actually has a high ceiling. He's a guy that potentially could really take a, a spot, you know, and I would rather see him on a line with Schneider than a guy like Hayek who has shown numbers wise and everything else wise that he is just not it. So what do you think of uh, Zach Jones making that, that line? So I'm a big Zach Jones fan. I got to know him. I got to know him a little bit. Um, Cause the UMass connection, I didn't play with him at school, but um, you know, I've just talked to him a little bit throughout the years and, I think he's a guy also that could run that second power play unit. He's he's a really good skater, and you know he might not be the fastest up and down, but walking the blue line, he's just as good as walking the blue line. I think you know as almost anyone. So I see Jones really helping or or really coming in and, and helping contribute to the offense. And Schneider, I thought, has looked really good in the preseason as well. Schneider has looked somewhat solid offensively. Also, he last night I know he made that pass to Kaka before that goal, um, and I think the two of them have just like kind of formed this chemistry together as well. So for me, I don't even think it's a question anymore. I don't think Hayek has really earned his spot. I think Jones, if anything, has been the one that's, you know, he, he had the advantage, I think, coming in, but he's really performed up to par. So I don't really think it's a debate anymore. I think Zach Jones deserves it. And, you know, I think for him, it's been really hard to get confident because he was in the lineup. He was out of the lineup. It was so inconsistent last year. If you just give him that spot and let him, you know, finally not feel comfortable, but, but feel like he's earned it, I think his confidence will only grow. And, you know, I, I think he'll just continue to impress the more comfortable he gets. Yeah, uh, I couldn't say better myself. Um, so now that we've talked about, you know, preseason and all that, I figured we talk a little bit before we go about, you know, fantasy hockey. I know you're, you know, very involved into that. Who are your um, your steals of the draft, really? I mean, I did my fantasy drafts now, but like I'm saying for anyone. <laughs> listening, well, listening. Drafts, yeah, drafts are over because the, the, the season started. Is it? I see. It's such NHL sucks at marketing, man. It it really pisses me off sometimes because like I someone tweeted, "Oh, NHL's today." Like, yeah. Who who would know that? Who who would know there is? What, where was it in Europe? It was in Prague. Go to Prague, like no marketing, no nothing. Up, well, they they usually do it the week of opening night, so that was confusing. But well, um, I didn't see any ads on ESPN during the MOB playoffs. Like, you should put up an ad somewhere there, like. Whatever it NHL is, NHL doesn't I, do ads. They don't. They don't do any that's marketing. That's the thing, though. That I, I. That's what you're saying. Like the PR sucks. But I mean, Jacob. I, I looked at my. I looked at my fantasy team. Uh, we're in, we're actually Jacob and I are in two different leagues, and I beat him probably in the draft in both leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, who argued that? Um, how do you call it? But uh, in one of my leagues, I looked at it and I had points, and I was like, one second, there, there's a glitch. Then I looked. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I, I had Logan Couture Turtle. benched, and then I see he ended up scoring a goal. I'm like, oh shit! Like, no, no one told <laughs> me. No one told me that the season started. But, but going back, like, who, who are your steals of the draft? Like, I know you were with the Brad Pack League. Uh, mm. Who, who do you think you know the steals of the draft there? One guy that kind of sticks out, which uh, I don't know, like, I don't know why this is the first name that's coming to my mind, but Jacob Verana on Detroit. 
he was injured last year for most of the year, but he's a really solid player. He was obviously on that Capitals team that won the Stanley Cup. You know, he's a guy that's going to play in the top six. He's a goal scorer, a playmaker. He's a, he's a really good player that we just haven't seen much of because of injuries and history. But Jacob Brown is definitely a guy that I would try to steal in like the, you know, later, later rounds in the, in the draft. But, um, you know, being that those are over, it's a little tough. But but one thing that we talked about on our live fantasy yeah, show Yeah, I, I got that one as well. Verona. A guy like, what's up? Yeah, no, I, I picked Verona. I was just looking to make sure. But yeah, yeah, I saw. What him. round did you get him in? Um, Do you does know? It, does it say on the Yahoo? I probably, I would, it probably wouldn't say. Yeah, you could, take, you could take your draft of your picks. Go to your draft. Go to league draft and it should be on... Go to your draft. Oh, I what. see what you mean. Okay. Uh, Verano was 121. Yeah, that's, that's like right where he would be, though. But I think he's a guy with a lot of upside. I think he's going to play a lot on a Detroit team that got better this offseason, and he's got good players around him. I think Verano could be a guy to watch this season. The one the one that I was noticing, I, I, I don't know. I get, like, you know, the Yahoo ranks is kind of horrendous. But the one I noticed is Jack Hughes. So I feel like he could be like, I know it's crazy to say a hundred point guy. Mm-hmm. So like for me personally, I snagged him in both of my drafts. Cause I like, this guy's going to be a monster. I think he was going to, if he was fully healthy, have a 95 point season, if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. So yeah, I just snagged him up. Uh, it says he's ranked 74th. I think I had him picked. Uh, while I'm waiting for this, who, who do you think was your best picks, you know, in the, say the Brad, the Brad Pack league. Well, honestly, the Brad Pack League, I made like three picks and I had to auto draft because I told uh-huh. him I was busy that night. So I really only signed on to try to take Jesper Brat from him, but he was picked before I can get him. Um, I, I I thought before he, when he when he said you were in his draft, I'm like, I'm I have a feeling Johnny Lazarus is gonna try to steal Brad Pack from him. I was gonna take him with my first pick. That was my plan. <laughs> oh, so uh, he would have been just so pissed. Yeah. So actually my I I I, I don't mean to step in uh, uh Jacob knows why. I'm just gonna my name for you is Veneers. Veneers? Yeah, he's been money in preseason. He's, he's been fire. money in preseason. I picked mm-hmm. him up. You know what I mean? Well, also another guy, Dylan Holloway. He's a guy that's a rookie on Edmonton. He played like one playoff game last year, but he might be playing a lot with McDavid and Dreisaitl. So he's a guy to look for as well. Dylan Holloway was a stud at the University of Wisconsin. Really good, really good forward, really good skater. He could be another guy that could be a good steal as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at, I'm just trying to find Jack Hughes. I picked at 40. But like, I don't know. I feel like he can be a top 10 guy this year, you know, mm-hmm. if he produces the way he produced last year. But I know you were on, I believe, uh, the official NHL fantasy draft in that one. I should have really mentioned that one before. You know, what were your uh, best picks? I think I believe you picked Ottinger. I, that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Name. Yeah. I picked Jake Ottinger um, as my goaltender. I picked him to win the Vesna. He was the third best goalie in the playoffs last year, even though he only played one round. But, you know, he was right behind Igor, right behind Vazzy. Um, he's a guy that can just carry that team to the playoffs. Dallas is a really strong team, but they're going to need that elite goaltender to, you know, help them get over the hump. So Ottinger's my guy. He's a, he's a BU guy, hockey East guy, really good goaltender. Like literally, I think he's six foot five. He's a monster. Um, I played against him a couple times in college and then we got Steven Stamkos. I got Steven Stamkos in like the fourth round of that draft, which was nuts because the fourth round. Yeah. Well, I, there's only eight teams, but Stamkos oh. had 106 points last year. He's, been one of the best players in the NHL for a decade and people kind of forget about him. We just lost him, by the way. What do you mean? Oh, no, no. He, his, his kid was, uh, he has, he, he uh, has a kid now. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. From the last time we met. How uh, old I, is he? Well, a couple, a couple of months now. He was, he no, was, how born, old is he? Who, Shraggy? I believe yeah. he's 23. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, oh, it's wow. weird how I don't know his, uh, 
age but yeah no i think it was i believe you didn't you come on in like march time yeah i think around playoff yeah time. so like june ish he had a he had a kid wow that's awesome yeah so yeah obviously with him it's been a bit hectic which is very understanding mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um i'm trying to i'm trying to look at my draft to see if i i got a few steals here like in the in the last you know round i picked holtz because i figured well if he's playing with yeah, brad hughes you mm-hmm. know there's only you know the production's only got to go up um who is there any rookies you think in the fantasy? Because I know people are kind of wary about picking rookies in, in fantasy because you, you never know with them. It's such a big question. But are there any rookies you think, you know, hey, you should take a look at that? Mason McTavish is the first thing that comes to mind with Anaheim. Um, he was incredible for Canada in the World Juniors. He's, you know, the son of an NHL player. He's great all around player on a young Anaheim team. He'll probably get a lot of ice time. I think Mason McTavish is for sure the guy to look at when it comes to rookies this year. Yeah. And Holtz would be another good one, actually. Holtz is a good pick. All right. I figure I'll ask you one more question before we take off here. Who are you most confident in, Lafreniere or Kako? Lafreniere. Lafreniere? For sure. I mean, I, I always know. will be. Yeah. I, I mean, him. I was also like, Ryan Mead came on in February. He was like, actually, he he thought Kako Kako. Now, that could be a little bit biased, you know, because mm-hmm. mine's know, biased I'm, as well, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But for me, I don't know. I, I know it's preseason. I know we should take it with a massive grain of salt. But it just looks like Kako is just – I know he's playing for sometimes NHL play, uh, players. It's just like, you know, a gut feeling. He just looks different. He he mm-hmm. looks more confident. Like, one of the main problems is, you know, under David Quinn, you know, he was never confident. David Quinn never encouraged him in any way. And I think I, – I, Kako never really came out and said it. But every time David Quinn was mentioned after he left to Kako, Kako he kind of, like, looked at, you know, the guys and said, you know, you know, wasn't wasn't the greatest, you know, mm-hmm. thing. So I don't know. Like I get Lop, you know, draft years Lop had higher upside. Um, yeah, no, I I personally think Capacaco could have like a twenty five goal year. While Lop is more of an assist type of guy, if that makes sense, because he's more of a playmaker. Well, Lop had more goals than assists last year. Lop had nineteen goals last year and twelve assists, and I think Kako only had like eight goals last year. Right. I mean, yeah, no, I, I guess also it depends, you know, where Lauf is going to be. Because I, if he if he's on like that first line, right, his main thing is going to be playmaking. Mm-hmm. But if it's on the kid line, it's going to be more of a shooting role because Hedo's mm-hmm. the kind of that two-way and Kako's kind of that like checking guy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Um, I very we're going to leave it off here. If you want, uh, you want to plug in, you know, what you do, the Blue Crew pod and all that. Yeah, just uh, check out the Blue Crew pod. You can follow me on Twitter, jlazzy23 and um, you know, I appreciate you guys having me. It's gonna be a fun year. So really excited. Yeah. All right. Thank appreciate you so it. much for coming on. Hopefully uh, we'll have you on again. Sounds good. Whatever you want. Later.